before we start the message and before I pray, I just want to ask you, do you know how much God wants to reveal himself to us within the next few minutes, how much he wants us to know him and to know the heart that he has for us and how much he wants to come in and change our life Give us those things that are eternal, that joy, and his peace, his wisdom. Do you have questions now about things that you need answers to? God knows. And he knows everything, and he knows everyone involved. And he deals in the impossible you have impossible things facing you. Nothing is impossible with God. He wants us to experience him this morning. Right now, he wants us to experience the love that he has for us. If we could really know just some of how much God loves us, it would change our lives. We, we do know some of how much God loves us, and that's why we're here. Because we knew he loved us enough to die for us and take our place on the cross so that we could belong to him. And we have taken that free gift. We've opened that present, that free gift of salvation. And so we've experienced that but there's more in that salvation that he has than what we know and what we're experiencing he wants us to know and so that's what we're going to ask him to do for us right now and he will god we do come to you right now and we want to know you more. Because you have revealed yourself to us in Jesus. And you've given us your Holy Spirit to teach us and to lead us. And to light up who you are for us. And so, in our weakness, we just say, God, do that. We don't have anything we can try. We are only doing what you say to do to ask. You say, if we want to receive, ask, and we're asking. God, reveal yourself to each one of us right now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Luke 2, verse 1. It says this, now in those days, 
a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes. I do this every year. And laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. In verse 10, it says, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. The love of God is displayed in the good news to be announced, and heaven is telling us what good news is. This is really good news. You can receive good news this is like the ultimate good news. This is good news that takes care of the deepest need that we have because we live our life and then end up separated from God at the end for an eternity. Eternity is so much longer than this life that we have right now. We end up separated from God then we will really have needed that, the best news, that good news. And it's of great joy. Something everlasting has come, and it can't be taken away. It is good news for all, for everyone. Yes, to the Jews who were looking for Messiah, but it will spread to all nations. It got here to us. This good news did. In verse 11, it says, For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you. For today, what had been promised and prophesied about, and they had been looking for, just like we are looking for the second coming, of Jesus, but they had been looking for this for hundreds of years. They had been waiting for it, longing for it, hoping for it. They needed this to happen. They needed Messiah 
to come. And then it's announced, okay, today, today this has happened. Today this is manifested. Today, right now. Wow, that, is, that was such good news. He is here. Salvation is here and you can see him and you can touch him. Here he is. And it says it's in the city of David. Well, it had to happen. The Messiah had to come from the city of David because of the lineage of David. That's who Jesus would be. But also Micah prophesied from you, O Beth Bethlehem, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. That's Jesus. And then it says in verse 11, for today in the city of David there has been born for you. And that's each one of you and me for the shepherds, for the Jewish people, for those who were looking for him. He's for you. He's been born for you. Will you take him as your own? What a gift. What a gift that we experience in Jesus. And he's your savior who has been born for you, a savior, your savior from sin, from Satan, from the law, from the world, from death, from hell, from the wrath to come, and from every enemy, your savior, and you need saving. The world needed saving. We desperately needed to be saved. When I woke, just woke up, and I was still in, in my bed, but I just woke up and became, became conscious, this, the scripture came to me. This is God. There is none righteous. No, not one. No, I didn't realize that that no, not one was there. But God had already said there's none righteous. But then he adds, no, not one. So if, if he says to you that there's none righteous, and you think, well, what about me? I'm not, I'm not really that bad. I'm okay. No, not one. He's telling you, no, not one. There's not one. Really, that, that is such good news because we can just fall on the mercy of God and let Jesus do what Jesus does, which is save and not add anything to it. We're just as worse off as everyone. There's no one more worse off than me that's living here right now or has ever lived. No one worse off than me. That's why we had to have a savior. 
That's why it's such good news that today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior. A Savior. And what was lost was our union with God. Because there was a time when God and man walked together in union. They were a family. Man and God together. A fa- they talked. They walked together. And man, the word says, God created man in his image and likeness to rule under him, under his authority. But they were a family. God was the father. He's always been, even from the beginning of creation. He has been father. His name, Elohim. That's uh, one of the meanings of that name is father. And he's a perfect father. So, for you, for you, there is a Savior. And today, you can experience salvation. Because Savior, Savior means preservation. Do you need to be preserved? Do you need to be delivered from anything? Today, there's a Savior for you. And that verse says, he's Christ. He's Messiah. He's the anointed one. And the Jewish people were very familiar with anointing someone. And it was setting someone apart publicly for a certain work, like the prophet. The prophet was anointed to speak the words of God to the people. The priest was anointed to minister the things of God to the people. And the king was anointed to rule in God's glory over God's own people. And Jesus, Messiah, he is the anointed one in whom all the consecration of divine unction centers for the performance of all offices, everything that needs to be done. Jesus is anointed to do those things, and it's all in service to mankind. It's all for the people that he came to save, to deliver. I love the plan of God. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, It's such an amazing thing, our value to God, how valuable we are to him. How he wanted us back in that union with him and fellowship with him. And he made the perfect way for that to happen. And when you have that, no one can take it away. What you know, you're here. You got up this morning and came out, even though it was snowing, because God has revealed himself to you. You know something about him. And there's more. 
that he's revealing to us right now. And he won't let us go. He wouldn't let us go. He wouldn't let us be trapped or bound by anything or just left to die. No, he was pretty discouraged with man and said that he repented from making man. And he said, this is what I'm going to do, Noah. I'm going to raise you up, and I'm going to spare you and your family and whoever will get on that ark with you. Whoever will get on that ark with you, I will spare. And he, he had to wipe everyone out except for Noah and his family. But that wasn't God's heart. It wasn't God's heart to do that. And now he's saying, there's another ark. There's an ark for you. And he is Jesus. And whosoever will may come and be saved. And he's Christ the Lord. The Lord is a person exercising absolute ownership rights, having supreme authority. Yes, he does. He is Lord by right of creation. He is Lord in his divine and eternal nature. He is Lord by right of inheritance as a man. He mediated between God and man. He is Lord by redemption, and he is Lord over all. And there have been rulers in the earth, lords, who are not good at all. Things happen to their people in their nations, and it's all right with them because they're building whatever empire they are building. And if you lose some, well, that's just how it has to be. There's nations right now because of the rule where people, people are starving. There's famine. Uh, there's all kinds of things because man is desperately wicked. Down in his very core, in his heart, he is wicked. There is none righteous. No, not one. And when you see that played out... Uh, you can see what man will do. And you can see what man will do to his fellow man. And you will see the bitterness and the, the j hatred. Hatred. That's what had us bound before Jesus. But you can see it played out in the world you know, there's babies right now somewhere in the world that are nursing, that are nursing at their mother's breast, but, but their skin is just covering their skeleton, and there's no, there's no milk, there's no food. It's happening right now. That's somebody's reality right now. They're holding that baby, but there's nothing for it. Holding that baby in their arms, and they can't do anything. And the greater reality is that Jesus, Jesus wants to help them. Jesus wants to give them hope. Jesus wants to give them eternal life.
joy and hope and peace is something that can't be taken away from them. And they will, they, with Jesus, they'll enter eternity and be alive forevermore just like he is. There are people that preach to starving people. They don't have food to give. If they did have food to give them, they would, but they can give them Jesus. John 10.10 says this. And God is aware. God is aware of every mom that's holding a baby like that. And he cares. He cares so much. He cares more than that mom does. That's why he sent Jesus. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. We saw it. We saw it in Genesis at the fall when God said, if you do that, you'll surely die. And it happened and they were separated from God. But Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And Jesus knows what life is. He knows what it is. He knows the life that he came to give you, and it's in him, and it is him. And Satan deceives the whole world, the Bible says. He deceives the world into living for what is only temporary. He tells us that happiness is found in having things. He tells us that we should get all we can for ourselves as quickly as we can so that we can enjoy it and so that we can live life. He tells us that security is found in money. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to have your needs met. But if your security is in that, you know that could go away today. Every one of us today could lose everything that we have. Would it devastate us or would we know that God is going to take care of us, that he's faithful that we have a savior, that no matter what happens, Jesus is Lord. Satan tells us that security is found in power, in status, in good health. What things do I depend on apart from God? And that if I lost those things, I'd be devastated. I wouldn't think I could go on. Help me, God, to know those things so that I can not put my trust in them, but I can put my trust in you. I mean, if it really got impossible, if it really, really got impossible... Do I believe God would keep me, that he would care for me, that his love is the same for me? Help me. Help me, God. 
Satan deceives people into living for things other than God. You, you can live your life so bound up by what other people are going to think if you do a certain thing. That's idol worship. And those idols need to fall. You can be so concerned about... Your life can be lived by what someone has done to you that has caused you to think, okay, I must not be worth anything. Otherwise, why would that person have done that to me? And you can live your life like that? And it's not true. You're not living. You have to live for God. You have to live by what he says about you. Because... He's the only one that is perfect. You're not, and the people who have treated you certain ways that have told you who you really are, are not. Only God. And he has told you, you're so valuable to me that I will come, and I will take on the form, I will, I will be a man. I will take on the form of a bondservant, and I will serve you. I will live with you. I will walk among you. And I will show you what my father is like. And this is how my father feels about you. And then he went all the way to the cross and allowed himself. Because he said, nobody takes my life. You know, nobody did. He could have gotten out of that, but then where would you and I be right now? So he willingly... He willingly went to the cross and, ha and allowed them to hang him there so that his blood would spill out because that blood is what cleansed me from my sin. That saving blood of Jesus. That's what God thinks about you today in the city of David for you. A Savior has been born. For you. And we get trapped. We get trapped in what people... There's no one in this room that hasn't had someone tell them something negative about them. Oh, you can't do this because of this, because of how you were raised, or, or your intelligence level isn't really that great, or, you know, whatever someone has told you. And some people live their whole life believing that. Well, who is that person anyway? Who are they? What right did they have? Do they know you? Satan uses, you know, Satan uses people to steal and kill and destroy from you. They will tell you that, and then you'll be trapped in that, and you'll think, okay, this is all I can do. This is all I can do. I remember talking about someone saying, they can do anything. No, no, they can do anything they want to do. They can do anything they want to do. And who, I was saying it to an adult, and I, and, and they just laughed. They thought that I was, like I told the funniest joke that this person could do anything. I still believe that. I believe it. 
I believe we have so much more potential in God than what other people think about us. Or you live your life in what somebody might think about you. What, what if I do that and I fail? What are they going to think? I'd rather, ha I'd rather try it and fail than care about what other people think. What is that going to matter at all for my life? And he is God, and he is perfect, and he knows you. You know, he knows everything that's been said to you. And he was there when it was said to you, and he really cares about it, and he doesn't want you to believe it if it's not according to what he would say to you. See, he fights. He fights for you. When he came as a, as a baby, he, he was fighting for you. That's God working his plan to fight for you. And he fought for you, and he won for you. He won the victory for you, his death on that cross. Satan, the Bible says, would never have done it if he would have known what was going to happen. Now there's a family. God has his family back. Multitudes of people around the world from all the ages and from the generations yet to come before Jesus comes again. The family of God loving him and worshiping him and putting our trust in him because he is trustworthy. He is faithful. Even if we are faithless, the Bible says he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. It's who he is faithful forever to us. We, <laughs> we don't feel like we deserve this kind of love. But it's been bestowed on us. So we need to live it. We need to Unwrap the love of God every single day, every moment of our lives, and live in that love that he has for us. He's God, and he's perfect, and he has a perfect love for us. We may have experienced things in our life that tell us that we're not worth anything, and we're not worth being loved, and God breaks through all of that. In fact, he's been doing it this morning, breaking through all of that so that we know, God, you love me. And you know, no one will ever love you like God loves you because it's not very common that somebody lays down their life for you. Somebody says, okay, I volunteer, I will die in their place. Only God, only God does that. And he wants to share your life, which is really his life, but that he's given you, he wants to share this with you. 
And the greatest gift is God himself. God, being in union with God, having him as your best friend, having him as your father, having him as the one who, don't you know, some people have really good dads and they would do anything for them. Their dad would do, my dad, I know my dad will take care of, care of it. My dad could fix anything I ever took to him, like that was broken, he could fix it. A lot of times it would be with duct tape, but he could fix it. That's your God. That's your father. You know, these people that are in other religions, sometimes it's, when I think about it, it's heartbreaking to me that they, in, in other religions, you just have to work and work and work and work and work and work and hope that God's happy with you that certain time. And then, I, okay, and then let me work some more and let me work some more and work and work and work. And we just have a God who is our Father who has lavished all of this on us. When we were yet sinners, when we were the ugliest that we will ever be, when we were full of hatred and bitterness and jealousy and envy, and we were only out for ourselves, and we didn't care about anybody unless they could do something for us, then I'll be your friend, and you scratch my back, and I'll scratch yours, and we'll, you know, and that's how the world is, but that's not how God is. God has just given himself to us. Thank you, God, for doing that. I don't even know how to describe this, but when, when I was a child, I, I knew Jesus loved me. Jesus, as a child, he was my very, very best friend. And we had wonderful times together. And then I would go to Sunday school and church, and then I would go to training union and church, at night, then I would go to a Wednesday night prayer meeting with the adults, and I was thrilled about Jesus and the things that he said about me, and the things that he'd done for me, and the things that he would do for me. I, j I want Jesus to be your best friend like that. I want you to stop working to try to get God to like you because he loves you. He loves you, and he's infinite. And you can't get him to like you better. You can't get him to love you more than he loves you right now. He loves you. He's not like Santa. He loves you when you're good. He loves you when you're bad. He loves you all the time. His love for you is perfect. He, when he tells you to do certain things or you become convicted that oh, there's something wrong, when I, he reveals to me, okay, you know why you feel that way toward that person, Chris? Well, it's because you haven't really forgiven them. Thank you, God. Thank you for showing me that. Thank you so much. And then 
I forgive them with the, the forgiveness that he has given to me and the love that he has given to me, and then I go free. See, he knows what life is. When he tells us if his word looks restrictive to us, when he says, you know, walk in the spirit, don't walk in the flesh, and don't do these, flee from immorality, and, and don't steal anymore, and all these things that he's telling us because he knows what life is. See, I don't steal and life is good. I don't have to worry about the cameras. I don't have to worry about I'm going to walk out the door and something's going to beep because I don't steal. I, that's just a simple example. But, but I don't have to worry about cops. Now, one time when I forgot to get my tags renewed, I was worried and I was in bondage. I was driving through all the back streets that I thought were back streets in Leavenworth, trying not to get a ticket. But Jesus knows what life is. Don't do that. Go get your tags. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Let's stand. And I'm going to pray.